there's NFL football on TV tonight. I'm not saying football's back anymore because the Argos mm-hmm. deserve respect. The Argos are too good to not get your respect. But NFL football is back. I tweeted out, I posted on my socials a bunch of my favorite futures bets yesterday. I, I really do think that they're the greatest futures bets I've ever done. <laughs> I'm truly planning on being rich enough off of those that this show might not exist a year from now. Yeah. I'm really hoping that that's the case. <laughs> that I'll maybe do... Although I had some people complaining recently going, you don't do enough shows. You take too much time off. I'm like, first of all, I think that I've taken less than a total of two weeks vacation the entire summer. It's been right around there. Mm-hmm. Like right around the number. Rude. Let me have some time off. Let, hey, I just did two shows all year. I, I'm just just trying to trying to get by, trying to keep it consistent, trying to be here every single week. Only took one week, the entire week off all summer. And now we're back. And now it's fall. And I don't know if playoff baseball is around the corner for this city. Maybe. Luckily, the Texans or the Texas Rangers are just as bad. Yeah. They're just embarrassing. They got swept by the Astros. They got stomped by the Astros. But yeah, NFL football being back so, so clean. Looking at it, just seeing all the props, the bet builders, mm-hmm. already having conversations with friends about what I think the Lions are going to be like and what the Chiefs are going to be, having Chris Jones conversations, Kelsey conversations, Jared Goff, <laughs> Amon St. Brown conversations <laughs> last night, glorious. Finishing fantasy football drafts, they're all set, already having dilemmas. Yeah. You know, the Thursday night football game, the worst thing about it for fantasy is you get players in the game when you have them, mm-hmm. but then you're like, Sunday won't be as fun because I'll have guys done. Yeah, true. I do that every time. Stakes are lower. I, I, don't, I don't like it. I don't like playing guys on the Thursday. I love having guys on the Monday night game where you have the hammer, where there's yeah. the final hope. You have the players that are going to close the deal for you. You're down like eight points. And you just know, hey, look out for my RB2. <laughs> Sometimes it can be painful, this though. It's is, like you only have your kicker left. Yeah. And you're like, I need 10 points from Justin Tucker. I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited for tonight's game. I think there's going to be a bunch of offense. I'll post my best bets for the game tonight. I def, I'm definitely going to do a bet builder of some kind. Uh, so go follow on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunks. But yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to be talking football tomorrow. We've got Steven Reese from The Ringer. And then uh, I can't announce now that Brady Quinn is back. As our NFL insider, he won't be, I don't think he's here on Monday because he's got a charity event the first Monday. But yeah, Brady Quinn, NFL insider for the show this year. Very excited to have the guy back. He's great. Love him. Had him before. Wanted him back. Got him back. Very ex- Tons of, there's just going to be a lot of football coverage on the show. Mm-hmm. I think people know that this show is pretty reliable for making sure that you're going to get covered with the NFL. Anyway, um, we might have to talk even more NFL because just the Jays. So... I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, and maybe I'll talk a little bit about it with Shulman. By the way, we have Jordy Fernandez, Team Canada basketball coach today. If you're on the podcast, you already saw it in the description. If you're on the radio, you're like, ooh, that's nice. If you're streaming it, ooh, Jordy and Dan Shulman today. Normally don't do two guests, but I'm going to talk a little bit of Blue Jays with Dan. But I'll just say this. It's really hard to watch these games right now. And they won four of six on this road trip, and it's just – it's. Let's just be honest. It's a game short. They should have won five or six against these crappy teams. They blew that game to Colorado in horrifically embarrassing fashion. And they're facing this athletics team that's just praying for you to beat them. They're doing everything you can, they can for you to beat them. 
And for a Jays team that's desperate, and sure, like they made up some ground, but a lot of that was just the Rangers being total crap and going completely in the tank. And, and this is how I feel. I, I tweeted something along the likes of this yesterday. They're just, they're uninspiring. They're joyless. And, and some people go, because I was texting with Ennis yesterday and he kind of annoyed me and he's always just trying to needle me anyways. But he's like, oh, so sorry. It's just, this is playoff baseball. This is what it's about when you're a good team. You grind towards the playoffs and it's tough to watch baseball down the stretch because the stakes are so high and people wanted September baseball. They get it. They're complaining. No, that's not true. That, that's the biggest lie. This is the biggest lie happening amongst some Blue Jays people right now. And I think it's a bit of a straw man because most of you are definitely al along the lines that I am. You, you're aligned with me. Having playoff chases in 2020 was pretty fun. 2021, when they missed, was fun. That was. That was enjoyable. That was a joyful team where they got hot down the stretch. They were winning baseball games. There was a high level of stress that comes with them. The stakes are extremely high, but they were likable. They were enjoyable. You had fun watching the games. When it ended, I remember I actually had Shulman on that day, and I said, this sucks because my favorite TV show is over. And I knew that Semyon was going to be leaving and that they were likely going to lose a couple of key pieces, that the team was just not going to be the exact same. And this year... Who's who's feeling that way? Who's feeling that way? This is joyless. There's so many bad at bats. There's so many tough moments during the games, and I watch it. I still like. Listen, I'm a Jays fan. I want the Jays to win. I want playoff baseball. There's just no doubt about it. They could be as bad as ever. I still feel like the weirdness of this season, the way that it's going to go in my gut, and this is probably just being a dumb sports fan, is that they find a way to get in the playoffs. They limp in. And then the pitching takes over and they're actually good. And everyone goes, everyone wrote this team off and they were weird. And all of a sudden the regression happens at the right time. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a crazy take, but I sneaky believe it. Deep down in my gut, I'm like, people should be afraid of the Blue Jays if they make the playoffs. Bo Bichette's coming back. Looks like he's healthy. That's a, obviously a massive upgrade for this team. So there's reasons to be optimistic. It's just, it's a slog. A lot of these games are a slog. It's, it's not an enjoyable team. It's not a group that you watch and you just have multiple favorite players on the team. Who's everybody's favorite guys? Bo, when, when Bo's out. It's oh. David Schneider gets up and you feel great about David Schneider. Who, who else? Who, who's the inspiring player that people would be excited about right now? My mom is the perfect barometer for this, by the way. It's always just, you know, texts from my mom of who she likes. And my mom, my mom is like the most hyper positive sports fan there is she she is like for example my mom during the raptor season when i was rooting hard for the tank going this team is not it she's like cheering on wins against houston that are screwing over the draft pick right she's like i don't care I just like it when they win even my mom full of joy full of optimism watching this jays team is frustrated like that's a pretty strong sign you got the most optimistic fans frustrated, and she likes David Schneider too, yeah. just like all of us. Yeah. Everybody loves David Schneider right now. Everybody's rooting on David Schneider, but, man, it's hard to find players to root for on this team right now. It's hard to feel inspired watching this baseball, and, yeah, I do think that there is a very big difference between just September baseball and the grind of important games versus the grind of what this is. It's, it's a stark, stark contrast from 2021. Anyways, on to more positive things. Team Canada. Tomorrow, what time is the game Tomorrow. 4.45 4.45, the man who will be up 
<laughs> who's like, I'm calling these games. I want to do these games. Probably didn't know there was a 445er in there. It's Dan Shulman, Sportsnet, voice of the World Cup in the Jays. Good morning. Good morning, and uh, that is a false statement. I okay. knew there was a chance of 445 <laughs> games. Uh, I knew you because would. Because actually, yeah. the, the only thing that makes this work is the possibility of games like this. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had hoped they would get the late slot tomorrow, but yeah. the U.S. got the late slot, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, no, we, well, we had a, I think we had a 530 last week. So, but um, I wouldn't say I'm excited about a 245 a.m. wake-up call, no. but I'm excited about the game. So, yeah. How do you like? What's the warm up like for that? You know, I always love the behind the scenes for the play by play guy because some days I get in. Yesterday, I complained about my nine o'clock show start. <laughs> I started the show with I forgot to drink my coffee, and I came in here. Right. It was a bit of a slow starter. What's what's the warm up routine like when you're up at two forty five for a basketball game? Well, uh, the the vast majority of it has to be done the night before, obviously. Okay. So lit- literally the clothes are hanging. Like yeah. the shirt is irons. <laughs> like then the socks and underwear are out. Yeah. Like that's... It's like otherwise, first day of I'm afraid I'm going to walk out of the house without lo- without <laughs> remembering stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and then the big thing is I have to have like the backpack, the work bag mm-hmm. totally packed. There's no way I can avoid the dog on the way out and the mm-hmm. dog... Uh, the dog loves daddy, right? Mm-hmm. And and so daddy coming downstairs at 3 o'clock normally means maybe daddy can't fall back to sleep and we're going to mm-hmm. lie on the couch together. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to mean that tomorrow morning. So mm-hmm. I, I've got to, you know, slither as quietly as a guy my size can slither mm-hmm. and ju- remember to turn off the alarm. That's the big one. Mm-hmm. Remember to turn off the alarm and then uh, get going. And I've got my... Uh, my refrigerated double shot, you know, it's in the fridge oh, already. Yeah. It'll be in the there car with me. Now we're talking and, uh, drugs. And, and away, we, away we go. Yeah. It's all about the drugs. So that's what we were waiting for. It was like <laughs> slithering. It's like, no, what drugs do you have? <laughs> it's like, yeah. okay, those are the drugs you got? All right, sweet. Um, so let's just go back a little bit from this tournament, though, because I, I didn't get a chance to talk to you when Canada actually qualified for the Olympics. I, I just I wonder how it felt for you because again you do I think that you've always done a very good job of blending the professionalism with showing like your true passion for the sport and that does make you one of the best at what you do but yeah just privately what what is that moment like for Dan Shulman who is clearly a, a big backer of this sport and especially the sport with this country right yeah and, and that's part of it and and I'm not ashamed to say I loved every second of it because. Yeah. Um, you know, when I found out two years ago, Sportsnet, uh, like people forget, you don't, but a lot of people forget. We didn't used to see these games on TV, right? Oh, there remember. was no, you, you didn't, right? So um, you're trying to stream them legally or illegally, illegally, and find I, them wherever no they're playing and all that streams. kind of stuff. There's no such right, thing. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so when I found out Sportsnet got, got the rights for all the Canada basketball games two years ago, like I called up the people in charge right away and literally begged. I said, you tell me what has to make it work for me to do this and let me do this. So, um, and, and believe me, it got a little complicated putting together the Blue Jay schedule and the Canada schedule over the last couple of weeks, obviously. But um, I will, um, you know, unabashedly admit this might be the most uh, exciting for me personally, exciting sporting event I've ever done. Um, I love that. You know, and, and I've done, I've been very, very, very lucky, as you know. I've done a bunch of World Series and big college basketball games and um, and even the Jose Bautista bat flip. And, and but this one, um, and, and, and I think I, I would put it right on a par with the Jose Bautista game because in some ways they're similar. The Blue Jays had not been in the playoffs forever, mm-hmm. and that home run was like an entire nation 
exhaling and saying, oh, maybe it's possible. And it's the same for Canada basketball, right? I mean, because it's always been get your hopes up, but will the guys show up? And are they really committed, win the big game, but then stumble when you shouldn't like they did against Brazil? Now their backs are up against the wall against Spain. I thought there were a lot of similarities, actually, between 2015 Blue Jays and 2023 Canada right right now. So I, I loved every minute of it. it it's funny. I, I've gotten to know Alvin Williams very well the last couple of weeks. And this has kind of been his introduction to FIBA basketball to a certain extent, certainly, um, you know, covering it this much. So we've all, you know, given him all the – the horrific backstories of the close calls and all that. And like, he's all in, he's an honorary Canadian. And like the day of the Spain game, like he could see, I was tense. I was tense in the studio. So, um, and the Slovenia one was really fun, but it didn't come with nearly as much no. pressure, right. As the Spain game, obviously, but uh, tomorrow will be great. But just the fact that they're going to Paris has made this uh a huge success no matter what happens tomorrow and Sunday. I love that analogy. And, and I know that there are going to be some people listening to this who are not big Canada basketball fans who are kind of watching this tournament passively or paying attention just through highlights because it's on at, at tough times. And they're like, yeah, maybe I'll watch Sunday, the USA game if they're in the final or I paid attention to the Spain game. And they're going, wow, you're going to compare it to the bat flip? And it's like, yeah, because for people who have cared about Canada basketball, this right. has been torturous and it has been for so right. long. There was so much promise. And, and I think that you can even extend it further, right? Like Anthony Bennett goes first overall and the country is so excited. And we're like, wow, this, this is happening. Canadian basketball is happening. I remember Mike Cabongo in college with Texas and like having those guys and thinking, oh my God, this guy is going to be the future of the program. And this is going to be the guy that takes over for Steve Nash. Wiggins didn't really, I know he's kind of come around a little bit, but it, it was a little disappointing considering who he was compared to coming out of the draft and some of the expectations yep. we had for him, the international success, the, 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 the jokes that were made by certain people on, you know, your former network about Canadian basketball players and whether they were tough enough and those questions as to why they couldn't put the talent together, the commitment level from the team, the disappointment at the tournaments. It's just like the entire picture of it was crushing. And people have been waiting for this for so, 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 so long. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're paid to do it. Like, this is your job. I don't think that you begged. I think you were like, I'm Dan Shulman. I'd like to do this. And they were like, yeah, right away, sir. But <laughs> I don't, yeah, begged. What a lie. But anyways, I, I could barely watch the Spain game. There was a moment when they, when they started to blow it again in the third quarter after they came yeah. back and blew it again. First of all, my phone was melting from every Canada basketball fan who was just so pissed off and frustrated but I would say that was one of the hardest watches I've ever had in sports. Like sitting through that, those like five minute, that five minute stretch of just sitting there thinking about last chance tournaments, getting texts from people yep. going, so when is that? I was yep. heartbroken, truly crushed. And so you're right. The next round or the next game didn't really feel like it had any stakes because it was mission accomplished. You did the thing. You got to the Olympics. You assume that a lot of guys are going to show up to the next one. I, I guess... Are you going to start to feel that a little bit more with the next game, knowing that it could be the States on the horizon? Because that right. one, that does feel like real stakes, the idea of Canada getting to test themselves against the Americans. Yeah, let me go back a bit. So even yeah. like when the draw came out, if, if you were a follower of Canada basketball, yeah. you were like, you were like, oh man, real? Are you serious? Like, you know what? I, you know what I mean? Like yep. group of death again, and they got to beat France and Spain probably to get through. And then the first quarter against France, and they, Oof. they're not, they're not playing well. Then the second half against France was as exhilarating as anything of all of this, except for the Spain game, obviously, because they beat France, and then. 
you know, that uh, they blow out Lebanon. Latvia, they play terribly in the first quarter, and they're down again. But the Spain game, and, and I'm with you, like they're down 10 at the half, and they come back, and they, and they tie the game in the third quarter, and I'm all fired up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they go down 12, I know. and Usman, Usman Garuba, like, yeah. has the dunk of the century yeah. at the end of the third quarter and hangs on the rim, and the horn blows. Nobody got back on defense for Canada. Looked like they um, could. And I... Yeah, and yeah, and uh, Dan, who you know, my son, he we, we were texting through the whole game, and we were like both, I, I, I can't see it. Like the way that quarter ended, I can't see it. So the way they came back and won was phenomenal. Um, to to look ahead, um, so firstly, I've watched a few of the Serbia games. They're great. Yeah. They're great. Um, in my opinion, they're the best team Canada will have played yet in this tournament. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know anything about betting odds at the World Cup, but I'm not. And I, Canada might be favored because of Shea. They but are I'm minus five you, and you, a half. They are okay. Yeah. So uh, I came to the right place. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but I'm telling you, they're they're really good. They're really really good. So um, I think uh, the way I kind of think of it is, if they win tomorrow and then lose to the U.S., or if they lose tomorrow but then beat presumably Germany, say for bronze. Mm. Like, going home with a medal, I think, is a phenomenal, phenomenal accomplishment at this tournament. The one thing I don't want them to do is lose their last two games, right? And, and, you know, go with that taste in your mouth. But part of me, and this is going to sound really silly, so I hope it makes sense. Part of me thinks if they get really, really, really close to winning the whole thing but don't, then, oh, boy, are they fired up going into Paris. You know what I mean? Like Like a silver here or a bronze here might help them get a gold there and maybe that's wrong and the u.s will have largely a different team right a better team in paris than they have here as good as their team is here but um yeah now that they've been slow and they're still going i i want them to keep going but in a weird reverse psychology kind of way um i i think having some extra hunger going into france um would be great but i know everything i've just said is blasphemous and, well, I, and I know say. if i said yeah, if I said that in the locker room, they yeah. would toss me out. Yeah. So, hey guys, um, I, obvi- yeah, <laughs> stay obviously I want the them. Olympics. Yeah. Like, yeah, Dan, yeah. Well, get out. Yeah, um, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, sometimes you got to lose before you can win. So, yeah. but um, uh, I, I mean, I want them to win every game. Obviously, I've gotten to know a lot of the people within the organization. Um, uh, you know, including Mike Bartlett and Jordy Fernandez, and and the work that they have done behind this. Like, think about this, Jordy Fernandez was announced as the head coach June 28th and the first practice was August the 1st and he had to get seven NBA players and a bunch of other pretty good guys too to buy in instantly um and you know they had the five warm-up the tune-up games and all that and they had their highs and lows there but I I think he's done great and I think all the behind the scenes work they did you know when they said to guys you got to commit for three years like you're in or you're out that's a risk right so Um, and even the way Jordy Fernandez called out the guys after the Brazil game, because I mean, he called out the guys, right. And individually by name. So including Shea just Alexander. So he called out uh, Dylan Brooks again after the last game, despite Dylan Brooks being the main reason Canada is even here. Right. But you can't get tossed out of a game. Of course not. I'm just um, saying it it does take guts in the modern era. I think for a coach to talk like that about his players. Like hundred percent. And I'm giving him credit for yeah. that because he could have walked in and, and they could have said, who does this guy think he is? And he's mm-hmm. got, 
you know, he's got some equity in the fact that he's been in the league for seven years with yeah. two different teams, including Jamal Murray's team for six of those years. And he's coached internationally, been an assistant and an associate head coach internationally as well. But, you know, he didn't, he doesn't have every credential that a guy at his level typically has. And I, I'm telling you, he's a soft-spoken guy most of the time. But I, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw online, that first time out in the France game in the first quarter. It didn't mm-hmm. air on Sportsnet, but it was part of the FIBA World Feed. The awesome. Uh, uh, it, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, if you, if you don't fall in love with the guy in that timeout, his first time out in the first game, if you don't love that, you know, so I, I, I think it's been great. And I'm rooting for them 100%. And I'm I'm happy for the Melvin Edgems and the Phil Scrubs, like these two guys yeah. getting a chance to play who have played all over the world for Canada with no fanfare. And, uh, you know, that they're getting a chance to get some minutes, too, in this tournament. And, and again, for all of us weirdos who have stayed up trying to stream a game from mm-hmm. God knows where on, on the other side of the world, this is very, very, very exciting stuff to see them finally putting it all together. Absolutely have to have a Carlton man on the team at all times. If they don't have a Carlton <laughs> guy on the, Olymp- on the Olympic roster, it's a huge failing by them. This is a winning program. Winners win. <laughs> Stick with the winners. Uh, yeah, I love everything you said. I agree with a lot of it. I actually have Jordy on after you today. I'm excited to speak oh. with him for the first time. Yeah, uh, nice. I'm, I'm excited to try to get to know the guy a bit and, yeah, pick his brain because – um, I like that timeout so much, Dan, <laughs> that one timeout that I, after I saw it, I texted a couple of people going, Raptors got the wrong head coach. <laughs> I was like, this is, <laughs> this should have been the guy. That's how much right. I like that timeout. So no, it resonated with me as well. Okay. So I know you got to fly pretty quickly here. So I want to hit just two quick things. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I know you're not watching the blue Jays as closely, um, or maybe you are. Um, given the time differences. But yeah, I'm going to spin it this way. And I know some people are going to hate probably this question, but what has you feeling maybe most optimistic right now? Because I find these games very difficult to watch. Uh, what has me feeling most optimistic right now is that the Texas Rangers are a dumpster. Yeah, they suck. That's what has me feel Right. Yeah. So um, I, I have watched. I'm, so I'm back on the Jays tomorrow night. I'm, yeah. I'm doing the double, double duty thing on the weekend. which And is, you are Mr. Uh, Preparation. And, uh, yeah, well, I'll cut some corners here and there yeah, if I have to. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so what has me feeling optimistic is, uh, like, they're not sweeping, but at least it's been two out of three, two out of three, two out of three, the last mm-hmm. three series. Um, and I'm hoping Bo Bichette is back tomorrow. But you're, you're right. Like, the Colorado game they lost, they, they needed to find a way to win that game, you know. And yesterday – happens like no, the best team in baseball is not going to beat the worst team in baseball every time that mm-hmm. the, the the colorado game is the one that bugged me the most for I think. sure so i thought like, they needed like, five or six yeah yeah i think they're playing fine i don't think they're playing great but they might be playing well enough but um i'm hoping that eric swanson is back soon because the bullpen has sprung mm-hmm. a couple of leaks recently i'm hoping i'm hoping bo bichette is back very excited about uh schneider horwitz and clement love all three of them um, you know, you can make a case all three of them could have been up earlier uh, mm-hmm. for one reason or another. Um, you know, you got to put your best nine on the field every night. Um, you know, still hoping Vladdy finds it at some point. Um, there have been little signs here and there, but excited about the new guys in the lineup and, and, and the approaches they have. They all have different approaches than, than some of the older guys, and, and I think that's encouraging. But, um, 
I, I, I don't know that I feel great about it, but I still think they might be able to do enough to get in. Mm-hmm. But it's all going to come down to that Texas series. Um, you know, you take three out of four, you do two things. One, you take three out of four, so you mm-hmm. put them two games further behind you, and you win the tiebreaker. tiebreaker and tiebreakers yeah. are, yeah, tiebreakers are not to be sneezed at this year. No. So um, a split gives Texas the tiebreaker. It's got to be three out of four for the Blue Jays. So. <laughs> Um, you know, it's that's going to be a very stressful four days. Next yeah, week. yeah. I uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the games, even though I got to say the the renovations have been great. I'm excited for next year's renovations, but I I think I, I I don't even know how many games I've been to. I still haven't seen a Vladdy home run live, which is insane. Like I, I haven't seen one at the ballpark this year. I've seen, and if you can tell me the amount of home runs I've seen, uh, not many. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. not been the best. Um, the Rangers are five and 15 since August 15th. Like that's the story of this. And I think that's the bit of the frustrating stuff is that the Jays are in and around it, but it weirdly doesn't feel like they should be. And it's kind of because of that Rangers swoon. And I'm with you about the younger guys where I I go back and forth. I'm kind of a jerk about it because whenever they're doing something productive and I I do enjoy watching them, they have a little bit of like the bad news blue Jays thing. That's what I keep saying with when it's like Horowitz and Schneider and Clement. And I go, Oh, this is cool. This is fun. But then whenever the Jays can't score and I'm looking at the infield and it's those three guys and then there's like Espin all around and I'm looking at the roster and Whit Merrifield's in the four hole. I'm like, I hate this so much. I never thought this could be the way that it is. So yeah, I'm trying I'm doing my best. It's just, yeah, God, beat the Rangers three or four. Just shut everybody up, win three or four, and stop yep. doing the thing every series, which is, I think, the you're right, the Athletics game happens, the uh, the Colorado thing. It just it feels like even when they try to string together a couple of games, they always give you the one game in the series where they remind you, like, hey, we, we're going to hurt you. Right. Like, there's going to be a price that you pay <laughs> for this, and you're like, thanks. We need that one game, huh? Okay. Uh, all right, last one. Uh, yep. Then we'll let you go. Quick one. How are you feeling about Packers? I haven't invested as much time into preparing yeah. for that for the season as I should. Just got just j- fan gut. Like you're you're finally fan. this is the first time you haven't had right. like an elite quarterback, a top tier yeah. quarterback since what? When did Brett Favre show up? Like ninety something. Yeah, uh, like I was something. gonna say 96, 95? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gut feeling is um, love will be neither great nor terrible. He'll be yeah. okay. Um, lots of good young, you know, uh, skill position players around him. They will be fun and interesting. The division's not great. No. Uh, they'll go eight and nine or nine and eight, and it'll be a nice first mm. year of a new era kind of thing. But, okay. you know, it, uh, honestly, like nobody knows how good Jordan Love is. Like, I know. I, I don't know. It, it's, it, he's still like a mystery. He barely played in, uh, in the exhibition game. So uh, I, my expectations are lower than they've been in any previous year for the last 32, right? So, um, but I just want a good, fun year and uh, win a few games, and let's see if he's good enough to be a, a starting quarterback. I, I hope he is. And I, I have a lot of Luke Musgrave stock, so... Oh, yeah. uh, all the, well, yeah. all the hype yeah. around As him, all the hype yeah. around him. I was like, all right, let's see what yeah. you got. If he sucks, I'm right. retexting you every drop. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> oh, damn, what is happening with old Musgrave? Anyways, man, thanks for the time. Uh, have another great call tomorrow morning. Enjoy the drugs. Look, uh, look forward to your text at 445. <laughs> see you, pal. There you goes. Dan Shulman, Sportsnet, Voice of the World Cup, and the Blue Jays will be back tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, Favre showed up in Green Bay in 92? 92. This is his first year as a Packer. First year starting? Yeah, yeah I guess he so went right away. Started yeah. 13 games. Yeah. Damn. It's been so a long time. So imagine that. Farvin Rogers.
Yeah. Since 92. Yeah. 30 years, 30 years of just, we have one of the guys that you can win a Super Bowl with. Yeah. I think that there's like, I'm trying to f- figure out the way to say this. It's not a relief, but it's, it's kind of, it's got to be a, almost a little nice being a Packers fan, being able to go into the season where you're saying, hey, expectations are we we're going to be good. We're just hoping this guy's solid rather mm-hmm. than it's super bowl or bust because you have this quarterback, the pressure of just, you got to win because yeah. you've got this quarterback every year with the Packers was you got to capitalize on Aaron Rodgers yeah. years, two super bowls though, 30 years of those quarterbacks. It's not so great. <laughs> kind of a loser organization. It's not a great ratio. Really think about it. Seahawks, golden Tate <laughs> curse. Saints, Drew Brees. Oh, yeah, it's just so sick. I love beating the Packers. There was nothing <laughs> better than beating Aaron Rodgers, truly. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of all the quarterbacks in my lifetime, the one I enjoyed the Seahawks beating the most was Aaron Rodgers. I'm trying to think of even who was, like, Tom Brady just didn't really have, there was the one game where Richard Sherman went up to him and, and got in his face. Mm-hmm. That was kind of fun. But then they won the Super Bowl, so kind of got shut up. <laughs> yeah, you can't really got use that shut as much. Up. Ugh. There was never a Niners quarterback that I like despised. Colin Kaepernick, I feared the most out of the the guys because like there was moment, there was that moment with Cap where he just he was terrifying with the legs. Mm. And Packers fans know that well too because when he went into Lambo with the no sleeves, that was cool as hell. I hated it. <laughs> I was like, ooh, Kaepernick, cool, super yeah. cool guy. Yeah, football. Yes, we're back. So good, so good. It's like. Most fan bases this year can have some level of optimism because the NFC stinks and the AFC is loaded. So it's like either you're the kind of team where you're like, oh, okay, our team could actually be decent in the NFC or your team probably is good in the AFC. And there's a path for a lot of those teams in the AFC. Yeah. Austin and I have had a lot of Titans talk off air because mm. I'm kind of believing in the Titans. You're buying Titans stock. Yeah. I, I'm worried actually about the first week is Titans Saints. It is. And it's just, what's it going to be like on Monday? <laughs> Simon, Mackie, Jobo all in here. Did, what did you find out what Caleb's team is? Something bad, obviously, Habs fan. He Cowboys. He turned on my mic. Did he say Cowboys? He did say Cowboys and what? turned on my mic. Yeah. Cowboys. He just said Cowboys from space. Habs and Cowboys. Dude, if you saw that Twitter profile, right? If you were like, if you saw a Twitter profile and said Habs, Cowboys. Blocked. You would immediately be like, <laughs> Oh, this guy sucks. <laughs> this guy's brutal. He's going to tweet <laughs> awful things at you. That's a horrific. That's as bad as it could get from a combination of teams that you could see on Twitter. It would be like that. It would go there and then. Yankees? Tr- yeah, Yankees. Yeah, it has yeah, to be. Yankees. Yeah, those would be the three. And I bet you Caleb likes the Yankees too. He's like, yeah. My, dad My parents live in, in Texas. They live right in Dallas. I got to. Got to support the home team, man. Are you from Dallas then? Dude, this guy's like, my no, dad's from no, Montreal, no. but we're from Dallas and we live in Calgary. Is this Caleb's? All, he's, oh, I have an excuse for everything, for liking all the bad stuff. Anyways, uh, Jordy Fernandez, Canada men's national team coach. Next. Sportsnet 590, the fan. So, yeah, Team Canada, senior men's team. They're on to the semis. 4.45 in the morning. Get yourself the double espresso shot that Dan Schulman just told us that he takes. You got to see it. Serbia, tough matchup. And then just looming. 
Can't look ahead. Can't look ahead. Can't look ahead. That's actually our next guest would hate me for even bringing up looking ahead. It's Jordy Fernandez, the head coach of Team Canada's men's senior national team. Good morning, man. Oh, good morning here. I don't know what time it is where you are. It's later. It's much later. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Yeah, it's late. It's uh, nighttime here. Yeah. Right around 935. Okay. Yeah. No, thanks for doing this, man. It's great to have you. So first of all, congratulations. This is an unbelievable accomplishment. And I should say... How aware of Canada's tortured past were you when you took this job? Uh, I was full aware of what was going on. Um, obviously, I've had my my sources, like mm-hmm. my you know close friend Jay Triano, and mm-hmm. you know I had great conversations with him. So I, you know, got to know what the history of the program and situation, and obviously that the talent was pretty obvious. So I. You know, I didn't need to ask many people about that. But, um, you know, obviously, uh, when I got in, great organization, all the resources possible to accomplish what we wanted to do, and a great group of guys that were committed to work every single day and compete. So um, it's been it's been just a pleasure. So th- there's the other side of that too, right? You're obviously excited to take the Team Canada job, but it was fast, right? You get it June 28th. I was just talking to Dan Shulman about this. You, I think you have your first practice August 1st. It's just immediate where, okay, you're the coach. You got to hit the ground running. You've got to get this team assembled. You got to find out who your roster is. And hey, it's super talented. It's one of the most talented rosters, if not the most talented roster Canada has ever assembled. What, what was it like for you just from a, a pressure standpoint, feeling the weight of those expectations as a brand new coach with such a limited timeline and so much talent? Well, I mean, it was the number one thing is I'm I'm part of the process and uh, obviously like Mick Mick Nurse started it and you know there's a lot of work behind. I had the chance to talk to him before and you know there's there's a lot being done before and accomplished. And when I jumped in, I just had to uh, you know jump on the train and and keep working and obviously getting to know each other and building relationships and. As far as like the pressure, um, I believe in and uh, what we do on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, in the town that these guys have, and the work ethic that they bring into the program, and they how they work since August first. And uh, I know there's been some games that were like difficult games, but trusting what what we've done, we're a process-oriented organization and team. And if we work every day, we're committed. At the end of the day, I think we'll live with the results, and so far, uh, it's been working for us. So far, it's been great. There's been some torturous moments, like when you guys were down 12 to Spain. It was hard. It was hard on many of us, but they got it done. You guys come through. You win this game, and yeah, now you're on to the semifinals in this massive tournament. So just going back to that Spain game for a second, I, I do wonder what it's like from your perspective because you are Spanish. Like, you were born and raised there. You've been a part of their national program, and then here you are with Team Canada eliminating your home country. Do you, I, I'm sure, you, obviously, you're coach in Canada. You have no split allegiances there, but those are people that you know. Those are guys that you've worked with, coached with, uh, coached how did it feel kind of in the aftermath knowing like hey my country a extremely strong basketball country now has to be the one that goes through a last chance tournament um it was a cool experience um it was maybe a little bit more of motivation on my end but at the end of the day i'm you know that that day obviously i was more canadian than spanish and you know it got to a point that 
the game was, was tough. The guys, uh, the Spanish guys are very experienced. They know how to compete in those tournaments. We lack that experience. And FIBA games and tournament, and we're young, and it was our first tournament together. But at the end of the day, we could make up with our effort, our defense, and uh, it wasn't pretty the whole time, but, you know, we find a way. And that's what's most important is you learn from these games, and now our group and our players are way better than they were a week ago. And after the Slovenia game, uh, they were better than they were before the, after the Spanish game. So it's one step at a time. We're growing every single day. And uh, like you said, that, that game meant a lot for the program for many reasons, mm-hmm. but especially for just getting better in that game. So why was it uh, especially great for you? Again, like you're beating your home nation. You were more Canadian that day, but... What, what added to that? Is it just that, you know, you're, you, you've got people back home watching you? Or is there maybe added stakes or wanting it even more because you're not a part of that program anymore? Like, like what was it for you personally? No, I mean, obviously my fans were watching it and all my friends. And mm-hmm. they were supporting Team Canada. Uh, I love that. That's but a good at the family. end of the day, yeah, at the end of the day, um, you know, I have a job to do. My commitment and my loyalty to the program and the people in the country that believed in me to, to lead the, the project is what matters the most to me. And like I said, I'm, I'm a true believer and give it everything you have for the people that gives you the opportunity. So that's the reason why I said, like, I was more Canadian than Spanish in that game, and I'm still are. And that's why we're trying to win one game at a time and make it all the way through and uh, give Canada a gold. So the one thing about that Spain game, too, and you mentioned it going into Slovenia, how you felt like you got better moving forward, and, and I'm guessing that's going to happen with more experience with such a talented team, but you saw moments of the game, right, where Spain, they just they had that connectivity as a group, where the cutting, the passing, the ball movement, um, yeah, the off-ball movement, it just looked so different from your guys' style of play at times, right? Uh, a lot of your team as NBA players is more ball-stopping, a little bit more ISO-heavy, you have all this talent. Um, is, is that a part of this to you in a tournament like this, is trying to get them to play more of an international style with guys that don't have that international experience? Like, like what part of that, how do you unlock that next step with a group like this, with so many great individuals, getting them to buy into a different style of offense? It's good that you bring this point up because uh, we're not Team USA and we're not a European team. We're Team Canada. And right now we're the number one offense in the tournament. So our pace has been great. Our defense to offense has been great. Our paint touches have been great. Our ball reversal has been great. And at the end of the day, if you look at offensive rating, we're still at number one right now. So I can always say great things about our guys, their willingness to play the right way and to creating the right shot. So if you just look at, at that rating, it says that right now we're the best in the World Cup and our challenge is to do it against a very good defensive team in Serbia. So that's going to be a challenge. So the guy that has been pushing a lot of that rating is Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, do you, what do you see when you're watching him play right now? I see a leader. I see an extremely coachable player uh, that holds himself accountable and the rest of the team. Uh, and that's the reason why we're so good. But at the end of the day, Shea's got his role. He's got his job and his team and, and his job at his role is as important as the 
the next guy and the next guy and the next guy all the way to 12 players. So uh, I think that these guys have done a great j- job creating a team, a team that gets along uh, off and on the court. And if you watch us play, I think that you can tell that we play as a team and whether you play whatever style of, of basketball you play, uh, you can see that. So uh, Shea's been great. He's been a leader for us. And, and moving forward, uh, we're going to need this, you know, his role to continue to be that. Do you think there was a little bit of an added stake for him as an individual in that last game going head-to-head with Luca? No, you said a little bit of United States? No, sorry. Do you think that there was a little bit added stakes for Shea to just kind of show himself on that stage where he's going up against Luka Doncic, basically head-to-head as two of the better offensive creators in basketball right now? I mean, Shea's a competitor, and uh, obviously he wanted to prove that, you know, he's the best player in this tournament, and I give him credit for that. And at the end of the day, it's not that he just scored, but he he led the game in rebounding, and he was a four assist to one turnover, so... His, his ability to create for his teammates and not turn the ball over was amazing. And his efficiency scoring was, uh, it, it cannot get better than that. So I think he dominated the game. Uh, Luke is a great, great, great player. But I think Shea came ready to play and proved that he's the best player in this tournament. You know, it's interesting that you talk about the, the offensive rating of the group and how successful you guys have been in the pace. Because, you know, from someone who's watching it, when you guys do look most connected, Oftentimes, it's the perimeter defense. And I wonder what you think the calling card of this team is as you move into deeper and deeper uh, in the competition, right, where you're playing tougher opponents. Like, it, it, what is your identity as a group, do you feel, as a coach? Is it that defensive end? Is it that perimeter defense? I think we play on both ends of the floor. We turn defense into offense. Uh, we're a fast team. We're a physical team. Um, and like I said before, we don't need to necessarily play like a European team where, you know, there's a lot of moving, moving the ball and moving bodies sometimes for nothing. Uh, we do things with purpose. We create, try to create good shots. Like you said, we have the physical ability to do different things. Defensively, we have a lot of versatility because of our roster. And, you know, it's going to be an experience for us to keep growing and, and find ways to to win difficult games without having the experience. So we're in this phase right now as a team, as a program, and we just have to have to find a way. Sometimes it's going to look better. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, uglier. But if we find a way, that's all we can ask for. Have, have you noticed a, a shift mentally with your group since qualifying? No, I think they've always been committed. Obviously, the pressure is different because uh, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders, and you can tell. And that's the cool thing is, experiencing those games it, it it just tells you a lot about yourself about the players about the group so it was an amazing amazing experience it's it's, it's not something you want to run away from uh, you want to go through it you want to see how you respond uh, we were close to lose that game but at the end of the day uh, if it goes one way or the other I would have been really proud of the guys because they tried to do the, the right things after the experience of losing against Brazil that game taught us a lot and uh, once again, we were better after that game and find a way. And um, I just can say that the identity of this team is, you know, we're a competitive team. We're connected and we're selfless. So uh, if you put those three things together, it's, it's a pretty good identity. So, yeah, a lot of that toughness and that defense that you're talking about and going back to even winning that Spain game, 
comes down to the performance by Dylan Brooks, right? He just he shows out the shot making, the defense, the toughness. It, it was it was all there. The total package of of that player was on display. I think he called it the best game that he's ever been or that he's ever played personally. And it, it's weird to say a tough off season for a guy that signed an eighty million dollar contract, right? Like he got paid. He's, he's just all right. He's probably not that tough. But how important do you think that game was for him personally? I think it meant a lot to him. Uh, but I'm happy that. Um, he was able to perform at that level, uh, obviously, because without that performance, we're not in the Olympics. We're not in the quarterfinals at the time, and we would not be in the semifinals. So I'm happy for him, all the work he's put, that we've only seen us and the team uh, day-to-day, his attitude, his commitment, his toughness, and accepting his role. Uh, same thing, the same way, Shay has a job in this team. Dylan has a job in this team, and he embraced it from the beginning uh, and the performance that he performances that he put together in the last two games uh, have been, have been amazing, especially the last game against defending Luca. He, mm-hmm. he put it on a defensive clinic. How do you coach a player like that with who plays with a lot of edge where you have to watch it to make sure that they don't cross that line where they are getting ejected, even though you could argue that it, it's a, yeah, it's a bit of a soft call and that this is maybe a different tournament. Like it gets called differently than it would have been an NBA. But yeah, how do you try to find a balance with a player like that who plays with a ton of passion, who plays with a lot of edge and knowing like, hey, they need this to be their best selves, but there is that line where you go over it and it starts to hurt the team. Yeah, I've, I've, I haven't had any problems coaching Dylan. He's been, uh, he's been uh, great to, uh, to deal with. Uh, like I said, his work ethic and how he approaches everything, uh, how much he gets involved with his teammates, and he builds relationships, uh, and then his toughness. So that's what I like of, about him. Uh, obviously, the ejection, you know, I'm not going to argue the calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got to keep our composure in those moments, and we're going to need him moving forward because uh, this is just going to get a little bit more emotional, a little bit more competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a really good learning uh experience for him and for us but obviously like I I love Dylan like I said before I would coach him I would have him on my team for the rest of my life whether it's in the NBA or FIBA so uh, I could not ask for for a better player in that role uh, coach it's been tremendous um, you got a lot of fans back here in this country now so yeah you can happily wear the honorary Canadian tag and yeah, we're very excited to be getting up early here to watch that game against Serbia and then hopefully continue throughout the tournament. Best of luck to you and thank you for the time. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm very, uh, very proud to have the opportunity to represent Canada. Thanks, man. Take care. There's Jordy Fernandez, head coach on the senior men's team. I think that it was really important for Dylan Brooks. And... I think it goes beyond just, hey, he played a great game and he got Canada Olympics. That guy, the very next game, got booed. Mm-hmm. The very next game. The, inter- the hate for Dylan Brooks has reached a boiling point. And that's across the NBA. That's why I was trying to talk about this with Ennis earlier in the week, but he wasn't really getting it when he was comparing it to like Donaldson or whatever. But it's like, no, no, no. This was basically a guy with a zero approval rating across basketball heading into this tournament. He wasn't really fully backed by Canadian fans. I mean, he had some. I'm sure there's some of you people out there that you're like, hey, this I, w- I was never a detractor, whatever. 
some guys can play the villain and even FIBA when like, think about this. He wins that they win that game and he has that moment and FIBA basketball posts a graphic of Dylan Brooks wearing the Bane mask. Mm -hmm. Like look at this super villain coming through and dominating. (laughs) This is a different level. The guy is viewed perceived as one of the biggest villains in the sport. And he has this moment where all of a sudden he gets to be the hero. All of a sudden he gets to be the good guy. All of a sudden he gets to be the one that did it. Mm -hmm. And so I I just, I think that was very big. I think that was really, and you saw it translate in the next game. It looks like he's just playing with this different level of confidence. He's already a confident player, but I, I am just happy for someone who's probably take on that level of criticism, that level of discourse or that type of discourse and then gets to have a moment like that. It's hard not to root for. It's why I keep kind of coming back to it. Anyway, Serbia tomorrow. Can't wait for the game. Take a quick break. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Do all those things. Share it. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunkus. Got all my best bets coming up now. So share those. But I'm going to take a quick break and we'll do like a few minutes of the pod today. Got some extra stuff. I was saying he's scared to uh, he's scared to talk to you, so uh, you gotta be more approachable for him. Because tell him to get in your ear. You scared? He's not getting in your ear. Okay. <laughs> Podcast. Where are we rolling? Yeah. All right. So Caleb is afraid of me. Great. <laughs> Two days in, he's shaking his boots. He's afraid to buzz me in my ear. Why are you so afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. I think uh, I think Mackie was kind of talking for me there. Oh, okay. So ooh. <laughs> yeah, maybe words a his mouth. Ooh, Mackie, you're half Caleb's size. <laughs> and <laughs> he would, you're a boxing he would crunch kid. me, but I still have the Nothing. authority level right now. So I'm safe. Mm, not really. <laughs> yeah. Press X you do. To hey, this is what you have. HR. That's your hope. That's what you have. <laughs> human, resources. human resources. Here's here's what else you have. The police. That's that's what those are your recourse. I don't I don't think you should lean on your seniority too hard. You might get in trouble with that one with the the kid who's six foot four, but soon to be six foot two. Anyways, and a short right. temper. He has short temper. or You do. No, he does. Yeah, he was just out here. He's like, I'm not a Habs fan. Oh, oh yeah. I, I can already tell again, Caleb's a bit of a crybaby. It's just fine. It's all right. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just like the Habs. Hey, I'll, I'll say liking Montreal Canadiens in this market, terrible decision to say. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Cowboys, be though? true. Be true to yourself. Yeah, Cowboys what? The Cowboys, though. I, I, I'm a diehard Cowboys fan, and yeah. I, I will stand by that. Just because my, my parents live in Dallas. I love I love going out there watching games. So you've been to a couple games? Yeah, I went oh, saw yeah. the Eagles, um, Cowboys, or sorry, Eagles at Cowboys last year. Nice. Was, That's really good game. Yeah, you can be a Cowboys fan. Great game. Are you a Longhorns fan? I like how Austin's like, you can Big be Longhorns a Cowboys fan. fan. It's like, no, 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 you can be whatever fan you want. I don't care if you go to the games. Cowboys fans are the worst. Like, there's just <laughs> no... Here's Here's the thing, though. This is the one good thing about Cowboys fans, though, is that... It's gotten to the point now where people, the fans are starting to get a little bit more realistic, right? Yeah. Like they're starting to get a little bit more realistic about some of the players. Although I did, I did take Tony Pollard in a fantasy draft last night, which was embarrassing. I, I just do this draft for my one friend who I'm close with. It's a family friends league. It's a snake draft. Horrific. Did just you say that out of regret or like, no, just, I took, I took him. I'm just saying like, I've got cowboy stock this year. Like, although oh. I don't really, I got to admit, I don't really care about this league. I was just, it's kind of like, oh, okay, I'll take some shots. I'll take some flyers. I hope he doesn't listen to the pod. Oh, I, it, yeah, he does sometimes, but I don't care. He knows I complain the entire time. I'm like, <laughs> we got to try something new here. This sucks. Snake is, it's just so terrible. I know I keep banging this drum, but 
I'm sitting there in this draft and just like you're watching and the players go off the board. You're like, cool. I have no control over this. It's just random. <laughs> it's like basically the list that Yahoo creates is what you get yeah, as a team. Like the X rank or whatever. Yeah, it's is... so lame. It's just, yeah, it's the, it's brutal. It's so brutal. And it, guess what? It takes just about as long as an auction draft. So for those of you that are like, but it takes so long, it takes almost the exact same amount of time, except for you're engaged the entire time. You're not just sitting there like pick, pick, pick. Yeah. Hurry up and pick. Yeah. Woof. Woof. Woof, woof, woof. <laughs> but yeah, I think Cowboys fans are starting to get a little bit more realistic. I think that some of them still think Dak is a little bit better than he is. I think Dak sucks. I don't think he's very good. I, I don't think, think Dak's Dak, great either. I think Dak is oh, basically I'll give Kirk you that. Cousins. Callum, yep. is it Trey Lance time? No, no. no. Trey, <laughs> Trey Lance still has, has time. I, I haven't, no, no one's seen enough of Trey Lance. We don't know what he's like. Nobody's seen enough of him since See, like this middle is, school. This is, I was going to say, this is where yeah. the Cowboys fans are like, there's, we've no, need a body of work. You know what they're going to use him for this year? Why they traded for him? They're going to use him for the push play. The same thing that <laughs> Jalen, the, Hurts. Jalen Hurts does. And That's Eagles. exactly it. They're going to, yeah. this is how I think the NFL is going to go. They're going to start doing a little bit more CFL where there's a backup quarterback that comes in for the push plays. Like you don't want like Joe Burrow always being, yeah, you don't always want Joe Burrow being your push play guy. You I don't like always that. want those dudes. You're going to have the push play dude and they're going to steal from the Eagles because how effective was it for the Eagles? We all thought it was going to get banned. Mm-hmm. We thought, oh, you know what? The NFL might change the rule on this so that you can't push guys in the back. I, I think that you're going to have athletic dudes, big dudes who, if they're your backup, not on all cases, some teams are still going to have the other guy, but True. for some teams, they're going to say, you know what? This is our backup running style guy. We're going to bring him in for some plays like this. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that's what they're going to do in that division is have a counter to the Eagles. I like, I still think that it's going to be one, two Eagles, Cowboys, I think that there's a little bit too much hype about the Giants this year. Not a commander's guy, eh? I actually am a commander's guy. I oh, love the commander's D-line. I love their pass catchers. I mm-hmm. like their running backs don't love. I like Scary Terry. Yeah, well, the turf toe thing is going to be interesting it to monitor. Be, that's true. But I love their D-line. It's mm-hmm. like Chase Young might be the worst player on the defensive line. Which is insane. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, what, the second overall pick in the draft? I don't know. I... I, I like all those teams. It's just, I can't back Sam Howell to win that division. And I think that the Eagles are going to be the best team in the NFL. And like I posted yesterday on Twitter, my favorite futures bets. I really like Jalen hurts at plus 1100 to win the MVP. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a good value. And I had one guy, like I had a bunch of DMS actually about this one. A lot of people reached out to me over this, by the way, share the tweets. All right. Repost it. That's <laughs> what we call it now. I hate when people DM me over. It's like, add again, the comments on Twitter. This is t- talk to me there. DMS fine. But Twitter, yeah, interact with the tweets. Yep. The NFC is so garbage that I, I just, and those receivers, like if they hit, the Eagles hit on those guys, and Dallas Goddard too, I think is going to have a big year. Mm-hmm. The thing that scares me a bit with the Eagles though is, and, and they'll figure it out no matter what because the O-line's good and hurts, whatever, but yeah, I, as a Rashad Penny guy who's had him, doesn't really stay healthy, and Swift hasn't exactly stayed healthy, and I could just see them being back down to the, what is it? Kenneth Gainwell. And like all of a sudden they're Boston Scott. They're yeah, Boston yeah. Scott. I could, I could see a scenario where that doesn't work out great, but it's probably, they have enough lottery tickets with the four guys that they'll, they'll end up being fine. All Boston right. Scott so what do we miss? Let's go. Um, by the way, Chase Young was second overall pick, but yeah, yeah. in an ESPN article with Seth Wickersham and Sean Payton, mm-hmm. uh, he had some pretty funny quotes in there about Russell Wilson and the, some of the stuff he did and said when he first got to Denver to change the culture a little bit. One of the things he said to Russ was, to get the exact quote. Um, will you stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office. Mm. And he also showed a video of a 2022 Ford Bronco driving off a cliff. 
to the whole team to establish that this was a new regime in Denver. Mm. So as a Russ hater, <laughs> what, 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 what do you think of the quote? I just don't think that you can, this is the difficulty of this. It's hard to tell people to not be themselves. And if you're a leader of a football team and your identity as Russell Wilson has always been, I'm the guy who mm-hmm. goes and does the charitable endeavors, even though it seems like some of his charity stuff has been brought up in a question over the last couple of years, his motivation for some of these things, it feels awful to question it, but it does feel like some of it is public image, but True. no, the one cool thing about Russ was that he was supposed to be kind of the goody two shoes guy, but this is what happens with dudes like this. And it's, I, I hate comparing him to him, but it's true with Babcock mm. is when guys think that you're a bit of a phony and you're not doing it. You're not the guy you say you are. It really doesn't resonate, especially when you play the goody two shoes, family man card. Like that's the thing with Babs. Yeah. People looked at him and they were like, okay, this dude's trying to play the family man card, but he's a jerk yeah. and, and he's not, he's not who he's saying that he he's projecting. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit of that with Russ because who else would say this to that guy? He was like Mr. When he was a Seahawk, he was Mr. Face of the NFL when it came to children's hospital, charitable events, caring about stuff like having interests outside of football. And so for Sean Payton to kind of take that shot, I, it makes me feel bad about Russell Wilson's future with the Denver Broncos and with Sean Payton in general, because I just don't think that there's too many quarterbacks. And this just gets to the rust thing in general. What quarterbacks would a head coach take a shot at? Like that. Like Russ is a different kind of guy yeah. where players and teams and coaches will say some stuff about him. Yeah. So I get it. It's probably more tongue in cheek. Like, Hey, will you stop kissing babies? You're not running for public office. Ha ha ha. Like, don't worry about your public image. Worry about the football field. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it probably looks way more dramatic in writing than it for was. For sure. It does. Context. I get that. This yeah. is a little overblown, but it's just, it's also not, it speaks to a greater theme with Russell Wilson, which is that people seem to lightly suggest that he is not as much of the guy that he likes to project, that he deeply cares about his public image and that he's someone that people feel like they can take shots at yeah. name. Another quarterback with Russell Wilson's resume that what a D lineman will just publicly go toe to toe with that. The amount of players have taken shots at. Yeah. I hate to do another lease comparison, but the only guy in hockey like that is John Tavares mm. where there've been players over time in a sport where guys don't really speak out. They'll be like, mm. you know, Aaron Rodgers' teammates hated him too. You know, Craig Jennings, Donald reasons, Driver, though, would but go they out. respected they did, him yeah, to death. And these the guys mostly would say stuff like that's a different thing. It was a respect and a fear. And yeah. hey, this guy could be a jerk and he was lunatic sometimes to us, but ultimately but he'll dime he's five Aaron Rodgers. That, yeah, like Russell fair. Wilson doesn't get that respect despite having a pretty damn impressive resume. Like, I don't know if he's going to end up a Hall of Famer, but he probably will. Um, but I kind of think he needs to close his career out a little bit better. He can't just have it be a disaster. Then I think it's going to be tough to make the case, yeah. especially given that. He did make two Super Bowls. One was the win, but he was not a signature player in the Super Bowl whatsoever. Like, he wasn't one of the five most important guys. Um, anyway, let's keep it moving. So, Caleb Williams. Sean Payton pro- talking a lot of trash. He did the media stuff, and now he's just, like, really out there. I, do, I, do you think he thinks the Broncos are going to be good, or do you think he's doing that to kind of masquerade for the fact the Broncos are going to be crap this year? No, I think that he's Sean Payton. He wants to win football games, and he believes that he's smart enough to make his team win football games. Like. Yeah. 
we we literally were a couple of years removed from having Belichick Peyton conversations yep. and how Peyton's 100%. sneaky underrated and with all the hype around Sean McVay, it was still uh it was it was still Sean Payton. Like he was always supposed to be the Cowboys head coach. Again, your fans <laughs> got Mike McCarthy and said, nice one. Anyway, no uh, like, oh, we're definitely no getting McVay. It's his dream job. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're getting Adrian Peterson in his prime. He's his dream landing spot. Delusional losers. Anyway, um, moving on. Caleb Williams. Yeah. So there's a piece about Caleb Williams with GQ Sports. Cowboys fans are like, he's going to hold out until he wants to be, he wants to be a Cowboy. Yeah. What's with uh, star? So K- Caleb Williams' dad, Carl, had a couple quotes in there uh, about going to a good situation when he gets drafted. Yeah. And he said, the truth is he can just come back to school. Yeah. And then the funky thing about the NFL draft, draft process is he'd almost be better off not being drafted than being drafted first. The system is completely backwards. The way the system is constructed, you go to the worst possible situation, the worst possible team, worst organization in the league, because of their desire for parity, gets the first pick. So it's a gift and a curse. Joe, you read with no passion. You're done reading. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, you're, yeah, that was, it's a gift and a... Like, have you read before? That always put me to sleep. <laughs> Do you want me to try again? No. <laughs> I didn't know you were reading a quote. I I know. I was like, what the hell was that? I I got too entranced. How many times have I let you crack a mic and see you're like, and is that the way (laughs) the system is? Like, how about some inflection? Your homework assignment is to go read at home. My God. Oh, that was horrific. I will go home and read a book. Anyway, to summarize what Joe just said without any inflection or personality in his voice was Caleb Williams' dad is basically hinting that they could pull an Eli. He does not like the idea of, and I think this is very clear. I think this is very clear. Yeah. He's talking about the Arizona Cardinals. He didn't oh, name yeah. the Cardinals. He's but... talking about the Arizona Cardinals and looking at that situation and what just happened to Kyler Murray and the dysfunction that that organization breeds. And he's saying, do I want my son to go to the desert? <laughs> Do I want to be going to live in an Arizona where right now, do you know that in Arizona, they basically had to halt building developments because they're like, we actually don't have enough water here. We got to figure out ways to pump ocean water from Mexico that we desalinate and dump back in. They got record heat in Arizona. It's so hot. It's oh my over, God. It's, they had record heat of over 100 degree days there. And Caleb Williams, the California kid, you think he's talking about the LA Rams? You think he's like, hmm, one of the worst stories has it. I don't know if my son will go to the LA Rams. No, LA Rams win the draft. They're going to get Caleb Williams. Mm -hmm. The dad is hinting at, we might not want my son to go to Arizona. And I, to that, I say fair, good job. Please let this happen. My dream as a Seahawks fan who has to watch that division is that Caleb Williams simply says, uh, absolutely not. I'm not playing in Arizona. And he forces a trade and he just goes to the AFC and rots away somewhere. Go to Titans, (laughs) go to Titans. Make a track. Uncalled for. Yeah, go to Titans. No, Rot away. Like go. come to the most relevant franchise in the AFC. Win maybe nine to seven games. Between go to the his reading and your talking, I just don't even know what to do with you Wait, guys. The, I, I don't the even. Titans are the most relevant. I don't even. Yeah, obviously, sarcasm. I don't know what to do with the two of you with <laughs> his reading and your speech. I, I thought that speech was fine. Yeah, I know you did. That's the problem. That's the problem. At least he knows. <laughs> Joe is like, ah, yeah, that's, yeah, that I'm going to was... listen back to that read. And yeah, it's going to be hard for you to listen. I mean, to if that. anyone thought I was being serious, but the Titans being the most relevant team in the AFC, I don't know what to do to, for you. There's no sarcasm. There's no helping you. There and really you don't isn't. even stop. And you just keep going. 
You just like it's the like he's of the show. I know he's just got the shovel. He's just down there and he's like he's like deep, just firing that dirt up over his shoulder. He's just like let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay, back to this, please, Caleb Williams. Don't go to the Arizona Cardinals. Force your way out. I do wonder a little if this would change the math a touch for the Cardinals if they really suss out. Yo, because they're going to be able to find out. Mm-hmm. Hey. Caleb, he's not, he's not going to come there. Do yeah. you, does that change the way that you bring Kyler off the pop list at some point and actually mm-hmm. let him play games and try to reestablish that relationship? Yeah. But they look like a full tank. They trade for Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is your QB one right now. Yeah. And I don't care about the Colt McCoy thing. People thought that was like a conspiracy. It's like, go look at Colt McCoy's numbers. Colt McCoy's 35, 36 years old. Like, I don't believe that he was necessarily the best man for that job. I think Josh Dobbs could be better and mm-hmm. might be better now than Colt McCoy is. But yeah, if they sit Kyler Murray the entire season, you know, think you're, they're kind of telling on themselves, and that's probably the prudent thing to do. I hope they don't because I hope that I don't want the Rams to get them. There's almost gamesmanship with them too, where they're like, at least we would have the hammer. Yeah. At least the Rams would have to trade up. At least we would draft this guy, trade this guy, do whatever. Like it, that's a tough spot. I'd say that if we were doing, I used to do the most hopeless franchise rankings. Oh yeah, and I don't think I did it this summer actually. I don't remember you doing it. No, I don't think I did it. I usually do it every single year. I do hopeless franchise rankings, and Arizona's at the top. I actually know two Arizona Cardinals fans. How wild is that? You know two? Yeah, and one of them picked the worst team in the Madden game to start at the bottom when it was like the early 2000s. Right, to be like the most opposite of a bandwagon. Yeah, exactly. It's (laughs) kind of cool, my buddy Ogi. And then my brother's friend, Nate, he just, I can't remember how he picked them, but... I think he just liked Kyler and he went with Kyler when he got drafted. Uh, He's like, I'm going to go to cheer for the, I'm going to get into the NFL and I'm going to cheer for the team. Kyler goes true. to whoops. You know, two Arizona. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I know. I know. That's I, I know a few, you know, a few, I know a few. I think I know three. Um, yeah. Calgary though. That's why, yeah, right? Well, there's, there's one family yeah, and they're like, they're far. all, they're all, uh, yeah, they're all Cardinals fans. Big family. Yeah, that doesn't count. Where you're like, I know a few, and it's like they're one family. It's like that doesn't. And then one outside yeah. the family. Okay, one outside. The family. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's so fair. Two. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Yeah, two, two, two. That counts. Anyway, they're they're just moribund. It's 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 they awful are. to be a Cardinals fan. They're gonna have a horrific season. I hate how teams do this and they sell their fans on. Yes, this is awesome, but then ticket prices remain the same. It's like yeah. you can have a tank year, and this should be part of the NFL's policy where it's like, yo, you are clearly this bad going into the season. Mm-hmm. You cannot raise ticket prices, or it's like if you're under five hundred for X amount of years, you can't raise ticket yeah. price. You got to do this. Like, I wish there was some accountability for teams that do there's this no stuff. point in paying for a product. That's... No, but it's just like, they just got the first overall yeah. pick. Like they just got Kyler Murray and now it's already, Oh, now we're going to get Caleb Williams. And that's the reason to believe in the Cardinals. Right it's like, okay, down. that's pretty crap. Anyway, what's next? Stephen King. There's a funny article yesterday about how he said he loves I was uh, talking about Stephen King yesterday. You're talking about Stephen King yesterday. Yeah. I was talking about the movie thinner. Thinner, interesting. The book thinner that was turned oh. into a movie. None of you guys know what that is. No, I've never seen it. <laughs> but uh, in, in the entertainment, there's an article about how he loved uh, Mambo Number no. Five so much. Mambo, Mambo Number no. Five. Sorry, I yeah. That he uh, he played it so much in the house and the instrumental so much in the house that his wife threatened to leave him. Obviously, she's being a bit dramatic about that. But um, is there any song that you would ruthlessly overplay to make someone move out if you had a roommate? Hmm. I wouldn't do that, um, but I have ruthlessly play, overplayed. I think we're all guilty of this, where yeah, we play songs where they, 
If I was doing that, your torture thing, I'd play Baby Shark because it's impossible to get that out of your head. Even I just said it and 48 people listening to this right now are like, oh my God, it's going to be my whole day. physical recoil. Yeah, it's going to be my whole day. That is truly the number one earworm song of all time. But I've had songs where like, even at the time, I remember as a kid when the Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Da song came out that I knew that song was not cool. And I would listen to it in secret and being like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, It's like a guilty pleasure song. Yeah, you just couldn't help yourself. You're like, God, I need to hear that song again. Somebody play that song. Um, but I'm, I'm just pretty cl- – like there's so many examples that I could use with this because I'm definitely someone who gets hooked on a song and then overplays it, overplays it, overplays it, overplays it, and then just cannot listen to it again for mm-hmm. – uh, I, wish, I wish I could do like, oh, I'm going to save this song as a little treat, but I'm not. I- I'm a classic overplayer. Just a right. classic, classic overplayer. And then there's just like a few bands where I can always listen to the songs over and over again. Like Brand New is like that for me. Um, Biggie is like that for me. Uh, what else? Blink-182 is shockingly like lived up a ton for me where it's just like you can repeat that over and over and over again. Is and that somehow, no effects in there? Yeah, it is. But it's also very different. It's That's like a different thing. Mm, okay trying to think of like what else I can listen to at any given time right now. I would say that that's probably Benny the butcher for me, where it's just like, Mm. I've listened to two separate Benny albums. I would say pretty much once a week for three years, Mm -hmm. once every two weeks for like three years while fired on while I'm working out, just like a staple where I'll be like, yep, I want this right now. Get you in the mood. The last Dave album, too, where I'm just like, I've listened to this a million times and I, I'm not sick of it. Yeah. But for the most part, I am that. I, I'm very much a guy who will play, 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 play. I'll, I'll do that with albums, though, too, like a lot. I'm still an albums guy. Yeah. Well, if I like an album, I'll listen to the album over and over and over yeah. and over and over again until I'm sick of it and I need to move on. True. Mom Jean's new album was like that for me. Hmm. I was just like, I listened to that a thousand <laughs> times in a row until I was like, I can never hear this again. I'm almost sick of it yeah. now. But no, I'm a, I'm definitely a repeater when it comes to albums. What's next? Um, there, there's a bunch of stuff down here. Do you want to do a worst worst behavior from guests? Sure, hit me. I don't know what you're talking about, but just do it. Um, so it, it was a one poll, two thousand adults, and this, so this is a host when they invited guests to come stay at their house overnight for more than one day, so not just mm-hmm. like a dinner or something like that. And seventy two percent of the respondents told the them that the, the guest would make themselves at home and over 90% regretted it after. Um, there's a bunch of behaviors like making more meals than expected, overstaying their welcome, expecting more food, made a mess, hogged the bathroom. When you have people over to stay at your house, what are some of the things that really some get of those your are nerves? insane? Like, yeah. that's it, I, I don't even know what make too much food is. Like, they were eating your food because that's crazy. Making more meals than expected is what it's labeled. Yeah, as. I, I mean, I, I'm a great house guest because I'm. I want to make as little noise as possible if I'm staying at your place. And Mm -hmm. even if you're like my very best friend, I don't want to have a ripple effect. I've had a lot of people stay at my place because I have a big apartment. And when people come through town, I don't have kids or, you know, it's just you can come stay at my place. Right. And I've had that many, many times. Plus, I've had a ton of roommates and everybody who's a guy knows that, yeah, you've had dudes stop in your house, couch surf, do whatever. Um, Make too much food. That's not an issue. That's not a thing. I would say that you do have... I have had some situations where guys don't pick up tabs enough mm. and you're like, they're staying at your place. I'm a believer. If you're staying at someone's place, you should be 
leaving there having paid for more bills than the person that you're staying with. Mm-hmm. Pretty much unless that you're destitute, like unless the financial situation is one where the person staying with you where it's like dire for them, right. then it's kind of nice for you to just pick them up and grab some stuff. Um, if the person is traveling to visit you, though, and you're like, yo, I really want you to come stay with me, mm-hmm. like this is your vacation, come stay at my place. I actually think the opposite, where it's like when you're telling them to stay at home or, sorry, uh, make themselves at home, right. that they should be treated very well because they flew to you, right? Yeah. So it's yep. like, no, you should they be making a couple of dinners. You should be, you. yeah, maybe they take you out for a dinner or they order pizza one night or some stuff like that. But ultimately, you should be kind of putting it on for them because they came and visited you. If they're asking to stay with you, that's a very different thing. Mm-hmm. If you're asking them to come visit versus them asking if they can stay with you during a visit, right. two very separate, separate things. But no, by far, the worst behaviors, I had one friend named Steve I don't care. I name check my friends on this thing. <laughs> my, my friend Steve, when he would come stay with me, he would always overstay his welcome. He'd like lie about how long he was going to be here. And he'd be like, oh, I'm actually going to be here for this amount of days. And you're like, cool. And then once people start to go over that amount of days, you resent them. You start to resent them. You, st- you show up and you're back at your, your apartment. I'm like, what's up, dude? How you doing? And you're like, nope. I don't like I you anymore. Space. Our I friendship is space. over. You told me the day and now it's past the day. And now I don't, I don't want to see you on my couch. I don't want to see you chilling, playing video games and watching TV in your underwear, like doing nothing. Cause that's the thing too, is like, if you're overstaying, you're welcome. It's cause you don't have something going on. And mm-hmm. so you're just chilling. You're like, yeah, whatever. And the worst is when it's not your friend. If you have roommates and it's like someone, they like my one buddy's brother used to do this all the time where he'd come down yeah, and you'd show up back at the place and he'd be like sitting there like smoking weed. And you'd be like, man, you're not even my guest. And it's like, I thought you were leaving today, man. What happened? You know, hey, you have to like, be like, hey, bro. Yeah, like, what's going on? What's He's going like, on? I just decided I was going to stay another day. I'm like, cool, 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 man. That's super dope, super sweet to have you here again, <laughs> chilling out on my couch, taking up my space. In my place. <laughs> right on, man. Right on. I'm so, so thrilled. happy you're here. Yeah. <laughs> the worst one, though. The pantheon of this is if you have a roommate and their girlfriend is always over. And if their girl, you have a roommate and the girlfriend no, is always, wrong with that. Yeah, no, that's a nightmare. Totally fine. Because it's like at least with a bro, you can kind of be yourself and yeah, you can just yeah. do whatever. I think that roommate's the best guy. But when your roommate is bringing the girlfriend and she's staying over like nonstop, it's, it's the a girlfriend's girl. house now. Yeah. It, well, it's just a girl. Like, Everybody acts differently around them. It's just, it's the way it is, Mm -hmm. especially early on. Like it's a little bit different if you've been living with someone for a long time and then they bring over a girl who is like going to be their fiance and you've known her for like three years. You're like, yeah, whatever. She's around, but still it it even, it still is that thing. It's like, are you going to, you only have one bathroom in your place? You can take a dump (laughs) just freely. Some guys can. I'm, I'm poo shy. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm not just I'm not just going in there I'm like waiting I'm like oh, yeah, I what, usually am. what are you guys doing today like <laughs> I'm waiting you know so it's it's a situation like that is tough but no I would say overstay your welcome is the number one worst offensive thing that you can do mm-hmm. and being messy is just a classic thing that guys do where it's like they'll be messy in your place and I can't yeah. believe that that's a thing like dishes everywhere yeah like but that. the food stuff I don't think is a real like mm. what would you say what else hogging the bathroom hogging no. the bathrooms one of them kept me up late my friend Steve legit would take out his contact lenses and just drop them on my floor that's how gross dudes that's are insane I know and then I'd be like yo you gotta pick up your contact lenses off the floor it's disgusting he'd be like I don't think those are mine I'd be like oh my god this is psychotic I don't behavior. wear contacts yeah. uh, don't hog- hogging the bathroom is gross but like 
Yeah, dudes are just disgusting. Like, yeah, no. a guy will stay at your place and just, like, use your razor. And you'll be like, did you use this? And then you're like, did you, where did, <laughs> did you use this? Did you use this? be shameless. They'll be like, mm, maybe I did use it down below. Yup, mystery. Trim. <laughs> like, I got yeah. mad at my old roommate for using my razor. And then he got mad at me for being mad at him. That's what I'm saying. Dude, so I got defensive right away. No, yeah, there's some. Insane. And, and I get it, because there's some dudes who just, like, do not care. They can live in filth. They can share a razor. They can share a toothbrush. They they, they just have no shame. Yeah. Like, I can't I, like Mackie, I, you don't want to see his room. Like, whatever's going on in there is disgusting. <laughs> like impeccable. Yeah, uh, no. You told Galilo's, us you have a clothes pile. Because so. Galilo's been living with me. Yeah, okay, uh, there The you guy go. that brought his girlfriend over. Yeah. Once again, JD, not, not knowing. Not just, listening to me. I, <laughs> what are you talking about? Stop doing that. Stop. <laughs> Trailing out and coming on the mic to say nothing. Yeah, Austin's girlfriend has been living with him for a little while. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta act like they, eventually. That's a one roommate's got to move out situation. Um, that's a tough one. And yeah, yeah I, don't, I mean, like the person who decided to live with you in the first place is just like obviously completely unhinged as well. So it's just you know, there are uh, two people. Two. And you've got two roommates. Yeah, buddy, yeah. it's a great house. Yeah, that's all right. It's a house. Yeah. Uh, no, it's three three bathrooms. Oh, that's two all right. Two stories. Not a house, though. But still, at least three bathrooms bringing your girl over is much more palatable than yeah. some places where There's it's like oh, yeah, one in a small room. No complaints. I, I question who your friends are if you guys can't all get along with this. We have no problems. It's all hunky-dory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, like you provide no perspective with reality. So it's just <laughs> like it's your own special perspective, which I love sometimes. But there's no connection here to anything real. Um, yeah, overstay your welcome. Messy. Guys who use your stuff without asking. and who don't really care when they're using it. Those, those are by far the worst ones. You're right. Like that's such a classic dude thing. It's like, did you use my razor? And it's like, why do you care? I'm just using your razor, bro. And you're like, okay. It's like, uh, it's my razor. Yeah, man. Don't do, do that. Do? Don't put your hair in my, th- in my, my razor. I don't want that. Like, Cause I don't, don't know where you get a razor. They're not expensive. Is. Go exactly. Go get one. They're easy to acquire. You should be able to go buy this. <laughs> pretty go to simply. Shoppers yeah. And get one. You're staying, you're using the shampoo. I can even deal with if I have a bar of soap. You're using that same bar of soap as me. We're, we can be fine there. Mm-hmm. Razor, I that's I draw the line on that. No one's using a toothbrush. I've never heard of that before. That's psycho people, behavior. There's I will no say, though, it's that. gross when people when you have guys over and it's like they drink out of the milk carton or something like that or they just help themselves oh, like mouse yeah, on yeah, stuff. Yeah. Gross with that. Horrific. Yeah, making a mess over staying your welcome. I can't really think about anything else. Yeah, That's the, too the last, perfectly bad. The last three on that list were like just really, really obvious ones. It's like broken something, uninvited, yeah, but and then was, yeah, yeah. Like it's... I've I've never heard of I don't well, I don't even know what uninvited is. That's like just arriving, a robber arriving uninvited. <laughs> that's a, that's a, <laughs> it's a, that's a kidnapping. <laughs> that's it's a like, felony. <laughs> you're not an invited guest. Like yeah, okay, that's uh, a, I was like I, I, it said it's uninvited, a home invasion. Like, arriving uninvited. I was like, yeah. does anyone do that? No, that's not a thing. <laughs> That's not a thing. No. Uh, I'd be concerned if it was. Yeah. I, okay, I could see how what you're saying is uninvited in terms of I've had it where people invite guys over to your place mm-hmm. and you didn't know they were coming and then you're kind of doing the hang and all of a sudden there's like stranger dudes in the place and you're like, wait, like, where you're my guest. <laughs> Why do you invite your buddies over here? Like, yeah. go meet them at their spot. Don't yeah. be inviting them over here. I, I, I sound I like a, a baby, but it's true. It's like... There's nights, because usually if someone's staying over at your place, you're still in your routine, you're still doing your stuff. Yeah. Like, 
And so when they start to invite people over to your place that are uninvited guests, like if they bring a girl over or they bring, you know, a couple of buddies over, you're sort of like, dude, no, I I don't, I didn't sign up for this. Like this is, this isn't your place. Go figure it out. Go to a bar, go anywhere, go to those guys' place, figure it out, do something different. Yeah. So I kind of get that one, but yeah, no, I'm sticking with the thing. Overstaying your welcome is the number one. It's just by far in a way, the number one. Because it like it, it takes advantage of you too. Like it takes advantage of the but kindness you are offering, and then you feel kind of like it's like, oh man, really? Like yeah, it's just it, it's a complete disregard for what's going on in your life. Like you're just there to put up that person, yeah. and that's annoying as hell. Like and and I've again, I'm coming from someone who's had multiple roommates, lived in houses with guys and girls. Um, yeah, I would. I've had the big apartment that's an accessible big apartment in Toronto. Where people have stayed many times, and that's that's it. I like I'm always welcoming to friends. I always have friends come in, but yeah, the overstay the welcome thing hurts. That one stings so freaking much. The only way that that doesn't, the only person that has ever overstayed their welcome, and I just have never cared, is my brother. Mm-hmm. Where it's like True. my brother can come into town and he could stay for a month, and I wouldn't really care. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, yep, you stay longer, cool, cool, cool. Other friends, not the same. Reaches a capacity. All right, let's wrap this up. If there's something I missed, tweet me, DM me, at JD Bunkus. Hit me up. And as always, if you're going to bet on tonight's game or on football this weekend, you got to hit me up. You got to DM me. Um, and I'll hook you up. All right. Talk to you tomorrow.